A Song of Ascents of David. I was glad when they said to me, Let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem, built as a city that is bound firmly together, to which the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, as was decreed for Israel, to give thanks to the name of the Lord. Their thrones for judgment were set, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. For my brothers and companions' sake, I will say, peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. Uh, Some years ago now, I worked for uh, a summer in a Christian mission in New York City, uh, reaching out to homeless people, uh, many of whom were drug addicts. In so many ways, it was a remarkable experience, but I mention it today only to tell you about my first glimpse of New York City, the Big Apple. I touched down at New York's JFK airport at about 10.30 p.m. local time, and I was feeling really tired. It was 3.30 a.m. British time, and I hadn't slept on the plane because I was so excited about my first trip to New York City. Once I passed through uh, passport control and collected my luggage, I made my way outside the airport terminal building. I found a yellow cab and I asked the driver to take me to West 51st Street. And as I sat in the back of the cab, because I was so tired, I kept nodding off. I don't know how many times I sort of nodded off. Every time my my head uh, slumped forward, I'd wake up again. And on one occasion, as I woke up, uh, I had this most exhilarating sight in front of me as I saw out, out of the cab window. Um, the um, astonishing New York City skyline at night. And at that moment, I could feel the adrenaline course through my veins. The next morning, after a good night's sleep, I walked around Manhattan, amazed at all I saw. As I walked around, I ended up getting a stiff neck, looking up at these towering um, skyscrapers that were also densely packed together. Now, for someone like me, raised in a small town, it was a breathtaking moment, like nothing I'd ever seen before in my life. Now, that is the kind of experience of being sort of blown away by all the incredible sights of a city that the psalmist describes in Psalm 122. Look with me at verse 2, if you will. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. The psalmist is standing at the gates of Jerusalem, and as we read through this psalm, we'll see that he was, he was blown away by the experience. That leads to our first point, if you're following along on the handout, the joy of arriving in heavenly Jerusalem, verses two and three. Now, look, over the past uh, two weeks, we've, we've been on a journey. Uh, we've called it the ultimate road trip. In Psalm 120, we felt the psalmist's struggles of living in a world that has rejected the Lord. Last week, Psalm 121, we followed the progress of a pilgrim making the long and dangerous journey through the rough and and difficult barren terrain up to Jerusalem. Now, here in verse 2, the psalmist has arrived. He's standing at the gates of the city. If you've not been here these last two weeks, we need to put this into context. These psalms from Psalm 120 to Psalm 134 are songs of ascents. You'll see that at the top of every psalm in this section. It has that heading, Psalm, songs of ascents. 
Uh, We describe these psalms as an inspired playlist for pilgrims making their journey up to Jerusalem. Because these were the songs pilgrims would have sung as they made their way up to the city. Songs to, to encourage them, to keep them going on the journey. And as we've said each week, we're sitting here in London, 2,000 miles away from that great city of Jerusalem, and many of us will never visit that city. So we might wonder what these psalms have to say to us. We're not on a journey to earthly Jerusalem, but if we're Christians here this morning, we are on our way up to heavenly Jerusalem. We heard about it in the, uh, the, the, the first of those two readings from Revelation 21 this morning. That's the final destination for every Christian But as we saw last week in Psalm 121, there are any number of hazards ahead that might stop us from reaching that glorious destination. And so as we look ahead, we might echo the words that we looked at last week, Psalm 121, verse 1, from where does my help come? Who's going to help me make it to the heavenly Jerusalem? Last week, we were given deep assurance that the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, will keep us until we're finally with him in our heavenly home. And after the assurance of last week, now in Psalm 122, the psalmist has made it. He's arrived at the gates of the city. And through the psalm, he paints a picture of what a glorious city it really is. And so for us, Psalm 122 says, just imagine the moment when you're finally standing at the gates of heaven. You've endured all the struggles of this life, all the worries, all the battles, all the temptations, all the opposition, all the disappointments, all the deceit and lies of the evil one. And for the last part of your journey, you quite possibly endured the struggle of a very slow and painful death. Through those trials, you may have wondered if you would keep going with Jesus. So imagine the relief when you're finally there. That's Psalm 122. Well, that said, strikingly, after all the struggles of the journey in Psalm 121, the psalmist is not so much breathing a sigh of relief that he's finally made it. Rather, he's having his breath taken away by what he sees. Verse 3, Jerusalem built as a city that is bound firmly together. This city is amazing. It's built strong and steadfast and secure. And so Psalm 122 assures us that when we're finally standing at the gates of heavenly Jerusalem, All the struggles of this life will be forgotten and will be overwhelmed with joy at the sheer wonder of finally being there. Now, some of you here this morning might well be feeling pretty weary, struggling in the Christian life. As this psalm takes us on a tour of heavenly Jerusalem, it's here to inspire us to keep going, to think of the sheer joy and delight of that day when we're standing at the gates of heavenly Jerusalem. So from the joy of arriving in heavenly Jerusalem, second point, the wonder of being in heavenly Jerusalem, verses three to nine. See, we discover in these verses just why this is such a great city. Again, verse three, Jerusalem built as a city that is bound firmly together, or as one translation has it, a city that is closely packed together. Now, if you've ever been to Jerusalem, you'll know that the uh, earthly Jerusalem, at least the old city, is a labyrinth of narrow streets that weave their way through buildings that are very closely packed together. Walking through the narrow streets and alleyways of Jerusalem is an adventure. It's a tourist delight. But the psalmist, for the psalmist, Jerusalem is more than a magnificently built metropolis to delight people on a city break. This is where all the people of God met to praise the Lord. It's the city of God's people. 
It's a city, verse 4, to which the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord. See, heavenly Jerusalem will be like no earthly city because it's a city full of people who want to praise God. They go there, last line of verse 4, to give thanks to the name of the Lord. Can you imagine being in a bustling, vibrant, magnificently built city that is full only of God's people, all living for him? Some years ago, a friend of mine, Chris is his name, uh, he went to Word Alive for the first time. Now, Word Alive is a Christian conference. When my friend Chris went to Word Alive, it was held on the site of, of Butlins in Skegness, not the prettiest place in the world. Chris arrived home absolutely buzzing from his week away. Oh, Paul, he said it was wonderful. Every day we met with hundreds of other Christians to hear the Bible taught and to, to sing God's praises. Every day, all week, I was surrounded by people who followed Jesus. It was just like heaven, he said. Like heaven, I said. But Chris, you're in Butlins in Skeggy. Well, despite my pulling Chris's leg, I know what he meant. There's something wonderful about being with Christian believers, praising God. Because most of the time, we're immersed in an unbelieving and hostile culture. At best, surrounded by people who don't care for the Lord, but often confronted by people who hate us because we're Christians. That is exactly what we saw in Psalm 120 two weeks ago. So if it feels good to be at Butlins in Skegness for a week with other Christians, or with our Christian family on a Sunday, or in our small group midweek, if it feels good, can you imagine the joy of being with the Lord's people in the eternal city of God, surrounded by people who are all living perfectly beautiful lives, all praising the Lord with their life and their lip? But that's not all. There's more that thrilled the psalmist about this city. This is a city of justice, verse 5. There, in the city, thrones for judgment were set, the thrones of the house of David. So again, as the, as the psalmist begins to look around the city, he sees these thrones, David's thrones. David, the, the great king of Israel, the Lord's anointed king who was appointed, well, for all sorts of reasons, but not least of all, to bring justice. One of the most distressing things about this life, of course, is injustice. Injustice troubles believers and unbelievers alike. We hate it when, as we say, people get away with murder. Anyone who's been a victim of a miscarriage of justice will know how it can ruin your life and quite possibly ruin your life for the rest of your life. How many times have we seen on the news people pictured on the steps of the highest court in the land speaking to the world's media when their names have finally been cleared, having previously been wrongly accused? It's great relief, great joy. One of the big news stories this week has been about Andrew Malkinson. Have you seen the news? A man who served 17 years in jail for a rape he didn't commit. I can't begin to understand what that must feel like. But if that wasn't bad enough, he said this week he was sickened by the thought of having to pay for his board and lodgings while he was in prison. Yet more migrants died yesterday when a vessel sank trying to reach these shores. And now there is political outrage at the injustice of recent laws passed. See, we rightly abhor injustice. And so whenever justice is finally done, it brings relief and joy. Now look, when the psalmist stood at the gates of Jerusalem, he rejoiced when he was there, verse 5 because he was in the place where the thrones of judgment stood. 
Now, of course, in the psalmist day, like today, there was no guarantee of perfect justice. But that phrase, the thrones of the house of David, points us to a king from David's line who will bring perfect justice. Great King David's greater son, the Lord Jesus. And we can be sure that when he comes, he will judge the world with absolute justice. He's the only one, of course, who can judge the world with justice. He's the only one who sees all things. He's the only one who not only sees everything, but but knows everything. He knows the context of every incident. He knows the motives of every heart. And because he himself is just, he is the only one who can bring up judge with absolute equity so we can be sure that justice will be done one day and being in a place full of final and full justice is one of the things that will make heavenly jerusalem so glorious if you were here two weeks ago it's the promise of psalm 120 coming to fruition judgment on lying and deceitful tongues a city of god's people a city of justice third it's a city of peace verse six Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. For my brothers and companions' sake, I will say, peace be within you. Now, this is a moment when you just need to sort of think a little bit clearly. And uh, this happens for the next three points, really. In verse 6, the psalmist prayed for peace and security in Jerusalem. But we must remember when David wrote the psalm, he was writing about earthly Jerusalem. And so he prayed that earthly Jerusalem would be a reflection of the heavenly Jerusalem to come. We live in a different era to David. We're not in earthly Jerusalem. As we read this psalm, we're looking ahead to heavenly Jerusalem. So the point is we don't need to pray for our heavenly home to be a place of peace and security. We can be sure that it will be. So this is not a command for us to pray, but it does point to what we have to come. And knowing that heavenly Jerusalem will be a place of peace is such a wonderful thing to know. Peace is one of those things that we only really value when we don't have it. When we don't have peace of mind or when we're not at peace with another person or when the world is not at peace or when we don't know peace with God. Once peace is absence, then we, then we miss it and crave it. Because when we don't have peace and we, and we are restless and worried and sometimes in turmoil, well, it's just horrible. When we're not at peace, it ruins everything. Look, we can have everything in this world, everything this world affords. We can have millions of pounds in the bank. We can have all the luxuries of life, a huge house, exotic holidays, fancy cars. We can eat the best food in the best restaurants. We can have a fabulously successful career. We can have it all. But if we don't have peace, we'll be restless at best and quite possibly deeply troubled and miserable. You simply can't enjoy life without peace. So we long for peace. Again, it takes us back to Psalm 120. Do you remember if you were here two weeks ago, Psalm 120, verse 6, how the psalmist lived in a world that hated peace. So what a thought that God's city is a place of peace, peace of mind, peace with others, ultimately peace with God. City of God's people, a city of justice, a city of peace, and a city of security, verse 6. 
Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. Just imagine feeling totally safe and secure all the time. I know people who are so terrified of being burgled, they've erected big fences around their houses, put locks on their doors and windows and installed security cameras because they don't feel safe. And there's good reason for not feeling safe. Just this week, I'm, I went and met my own grown-up daughter at uh, a tube, the tube station at 10.15 on Monday night, not because she asked me to, just because I didn't want her to walk home at that time of night on her own. Because we're all aware of the things that happen to innocent people on the streets. For me, one of the most devastating headlines to hit the news in the last couple of years was the kidnap, rape and murder of Sarah Everard by a serving police officer. A police officer, someone with the responsibility to protect us, used and abused his position to kill an innocent young woman with the whole of her life ahead of her. Our streets are not safe. Just last autumn, just outside number 22 Bishopsgate, in the middle of the day while I was working up up in the office up there, in a crowded street here in the city, in the heart of the city, three people were stabbed in an attempted mobile phone snatch. It's not just on our streets that we need to be worried. We're all aware of the international conflict. How will Russia's invasion of Ukraine pan out? Will it escalate? It's affecting energy prices and contributing to inflation and high interest rates, but it's far more than an economic crisis. Will Russia carry through on their nuclear threats? And not just Russia. Other nations have nuclear capabilities. North Korea, China, Iran, all have enriched uranium. And then there's the religious ideologies in the world that bring an ever-present threat of global terrorism. Just think of the money and resources poured into counter-terrorism. Why? Because it's a very real and present danger. After the appalling events of 9-11, when planes were flown into the twin towers of New York's World Trade Center and the Pentagon in Arlington, Virginia, one journalist wrote these words. If the World Trade Center is not safe... If the Pentagon is not safe, then quite simply nowhere is safe. That's the world we live in. So what amazing joy to think that one day we will be in the heavenly new Jerusalem and we will feel completely safe and secure all the time. Verse 6, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. Again, we've got to be clear here. David the psalmist prayed for security, for safety, because he was in earthly Jerusalem and he wanted earthly Jerusalem to reflect heavenly Jerusalem. So again, we don't need to pray this prayer because our eternal home will be totally safe. In eternity, never again will there be news of people murdered on the streets And never again will you say, where did I leave my keys? Because you won't have any keys. You won't need them. No identity fraud or or internet scams or stolen credit cards. Total safety. What a great city it will be. A city of God's people, a city of justice, a city of peace, a city of security and a city of prosperity. Verse 9. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. Or better, I will seek your prosperity. Once again, the psalmist David sought the prosperity of earthly Jerusalem. 
because earthly Jerusalem was to reflect the future heavenly city where every resident will prosper. In our heavenly home, there won't be haves and have-nots. Everyone will have. We'll have much more than we ever needed. No one will lie awake at night wondering if they're going to be able to make ends meet, losing sleep about paying the gas and electricity bills. And it'll not just be a place of material prosperity. We will prosper within ourselves. In heavenly Jerusalem, everyone will flourish. Everyone will reach their full potential. Peace, justice, security, prosperity, living among God's people who uh, all follow the Lord. No wonder the psalmist was so excited to be standing at the gates of the city of God. But there's still one big reason why heavenly Jerusalem is, well, heavenly. And that is because we will be in the presence of the Lord himself. See, this is the city of God. Verse 1 and verse 9, the, 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 psalm, the psalm both begins and ends telling us that this city is the house of the Lord. This is where God dwells. In this city, we are in the presence of the Lord himself. That is precisely why heavenly Jerusalem will be a place of peace and security and prosperity, because it's where the Lord is. We'll feel totally safe because we're with him. We'll be totally at peace because we're with him. My, um, my parents lived in the same house for nearly 60 years. I was actually born in that house. All my childhood years were there. It was a most modest three-bedroom end-of-terrace house on a council estate. But it was such a happy home. In that home, my brother and I felt loved and safe and secure. In that home, mum and dad created an environment where we could flourish. But when mum and dad died and my brother and I had the task of sorting out the house, even though everything was exactly the same, the place felt empty because it was. It was no longer home. It was only so wonderful because mum and dad were there. Now, that is a thoroughly inadequate illustration of heavenly Jerusalem. But the point is this. Heavenly Jerusalem will only be heavenly because the Lord is there. He is what will make it so wonderful. Because we were made to be in relationship with him. And we were saved to be brought back into relationship with him. So when we are finally and fully and completely with him, well, it will just be wonderful. Jesus said to his disciples, I am going to my father's house to prepare a place for you. And he prepared a place for us in his father's house by dying on a cross for us. He left his home in heaven and came to this broken world full of injustice and strife and insecurity. Think of justice. He came to this dangerous world where he was brutally and unjustly treated. The innocent victim of the greatest miscarriage of justice the world has ever seen so that he could take us to a place of justice. Think of peace. Jesus experienced living in a world of conflict. The prince of peace was met and arrested by sword-carrying enemies who took him to the cross, where he suffered the agonizing turmoil of being robbed of peace with God as he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He suffered so that he could take us to a place of eternal peace. Think of security. He lived in a world that was far from safe. Even as a baby, the murderous Herod wanted to kill him. 
As an adult, he was so hated that wicked men hunted him down. Humanly speaking, he was never safe. And yet he went through that so he could take us to a place where, he would be etern- where we would be eternally safe. See, on the cross, he was separated from the Father, suffered injustice, robbed of peace. And he did it all because he loves us. So that you and I could be taken to a place of justice and peace and security where we will prosper in our relationship with our God forever. What a kind and gracious and loving Lord God we have. Last week, we saw that Psalm 121 says, he will get you there. This week, Psalm 122 says, this is what you have to look forward to. And so while we're on our journey, let's fix our eyes on our heavenly home. More than that, let's encourage one another to keep going. And that's how the psalmist begins. So finally, and I promise you very briefly, our third point, the encouragement to keep going in heavenly Jerusalem, verse 1. I was glad, or I think better, I rejoiced when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. The psalmist says, it it brought me great joy when others said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. Let's go together. Can you picture other believers coming up to him, putting their hand on his shoulder and saying, come on, let's journey up to Jerusalem, to God's house. You don't have to go alone. We'll go together. It's so encouraging when we do this for one another. We can bring each other such joy when we draw alongside another brother and sister in Christ and say to them, let's keep going. You're not alone. We're in it together. So with the excitement of all that is in store for us in the heavenly Jerusalem, let's spur each other on in the Christian life today, this week, for the rest of our lives. Let's spur each other on to keep going. Even when it's tough, it's worth the struggle. Let's fix our eyes on our heavenly inheritance because when we get there, all the strife and turmoil and heartache will be instantly swallowed up in overwhelming joy by the sheer wonder of being in the city of God and with our gracious Lord forever. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you so much for these wonderful psalms. Uh, We thank you this morning for Psalm 122 and this glimpse, just a glimpse of how wonderful it's going to be when we're finally with you in this wonderful city, in your presence. Please help those who are struggling, especially today. May this be deep encouragement to keep them going and may it be true for all of us wherever we're at that we would keep going through all the struggles of this life, knowing that there is something so much better to come. And we thank you from the bottom of our hearts for the Lord Jesus, who has done so much to get us there, the one who will keep us. And we thank you in his name. Amen.